Well, good morning, everyone. Um, it's, it's really wonderful, actually, to be able to speak on a topic about God speaking to people. Um, I can't claim to have any um, great uh, revelations um, about how God might speak to me and I don't stand here with any qualifications because God has spoken to me in really uh, unusual or incredible ways. But he has spoken. And so we can see that in this passage. And God speaks, it might seem on the face of it, unusually to Jacob, but it is God speaking to Jacob. And so I'm going to ask that we turn straight to this. So we're going to have a look at the little, first little bit of the passage um, before we uh, then continue with the rest. I think it's on page 30 in the Bibles uh, in front of you there. It's Genesis 28. And we'll just look at the first couple of verses. So Genesis 28, verse 10 and 11. Um, this might be helpful to look at just before we um, read that, um, just to put some places that are mentioned in perspective for you. Beersheba down in the south there. Bethel is where Jacob is going to stop. And Haram, there that's where he's on his way to. So that's the little journey, or rather large journey if you're walking. And... Um, the family tree, the bits we're particularly interested in, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah have a son, Isaac, who marries Rebekah, who has a son, Jacob, with his twin brother, Esau. So, this is where we are up to then. Uh, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. So Jacob sets off on a journey. He's actually running away, running away from a mess, a family mess. His brother Esau having been deceived, is angry. Angry enough, actually, to want to kill Jacob. And Jacob's mother, Rebecca, despite her part in making the mess, has thought it best to send Jacob running to his uncle Laban, uh, which is up there in Haran. That's why he's heading there. And she actually manages to persuade Isaac, Jacob's father, that the reason Jacob must leave is to find a suitable wife. So wrapped up in this story, what we've got is Jacob in the middle of deceit, lies, anger, hate, fear. It's all there. And he lies down to go to sleep. Actually, years earlier, Jacob's grandfather Abraham was given an amazing promise by God. A promise that extended to Isaac and his descendants. That's in Genesis 17 and verse 19. And we actually 
read then here of Jacob running away from this disastrous mess, we might start to think, well, hold on a minute. Where's this promise of favour? This does not look good. How is such a dreadful situation going to result in blessing? Just two generations away from Abraham and that amazing promise, we have Jacob running away. And we might judge Jacob and say, well, he's done so many things wrong, actually, he deserves this. And we've thought about that in previous weeks as we've looked at some of the stories. We might even think that Esau, his brother, deserves some sort of revenge and that he should harbour a grudge. It was... But actually, this seems to leave Esau more distant from God. But interestingly, God does not intervene and just sort out all the problems. Instead, something else happens. Something very significant. Something which is life-changing for Jacob and his descendants. God actually meets with him and speaks with him. Let's read on from verse 12. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were descending and ascending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid. And said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, And will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So up to this point... 
We have not seen Jacob in any sort of communication with God. He doesn't appear to have called out to God and God has not said anything to him. But now God reveals himself to Jacob in a dream. As you might expect, an encounter with God has an impact. Jacob is made aware of God. He recognizes the God of his father and grandfather. But he's actually afraid and in awe. Look at verse 17. I think to understand this well, we probably need to put ourselves in Jacob's place, try to think what he was going through and think about how we might have felt and acted. Running away from a livid brother on a long journey, away from home, which we know he liked, he goes to sleep with a rock for a pillow. This has really got to be as bad as it can get. We know he's in great distress because there are references later in Genesis 35 talking about this particular incident. And then Jacob sees, while asleep, some weird ladder that stretches from earth to heaven. Angels going up and down. God speaking to him, making promises. famous picture by Blake tries to encapsulate that what does it mean what did Jacob understand it to mean perhaps we should look first at that well Jacob probably knew about angels his grandfather Abraham would surely have mentioned his amazing encounters and the story of his dad's promised birth the visits of God's messengers the angels So maybe Jacob knew this to be a message, a message coming from heaven, from God, to earth, to him. God was initiating the communication, starting a relationship with him. So God introduces himself to Jacob. Revealing himself to be the same God who's faithfully kept promises to both his father Isaac and grandfather Abraham. And this is the way we tend to begin relationships, isn't it? Introductions. But then God makes a promise to Jacob, the same promise made to Isaac. Actually promising blessing to all peoples. Which ultimately comes through Jesus. And I think at this point it is worth considering a few things Jesus said. Firstly, Jesus does appear to refer to this dream. And he's initiating a relationship with Nathaniel. And that can be read in John 1 at the end. But there is a slight difference here though. Because Jesus speaks of heaven being opened and angels or messengers ascending and descending, but not on a ladder, on the Son of Man, Jesus. So there's an indication there that Jesus is the connection between heaven and earth. There are actually quite a lot of other aspects to this dream which are quite interesting. Um, And if you want to add that to your homework, then 
um, do feel free. Um, it's quite interesting. But there is a second statement that Jesus makes that's in this passage. And I think for this morning, for us, and for what I feel I've been given by the Lord over the last few weeks, it's an important one. And it's this. Jesus says at the end of Matthew's gospel, as he sends his disciples off, I am with you. And it's that same affirmation that's given to Jacob by God. So God initiates the relationship. Then what happens? Well, Jacob has to respond in some way. Let's consider Jacob's response then. Jacob displays something we haven't seen up to this point, I think. And that is, he seems humble or humbled. And humility has actually opened the way for God to communicate effectively with him. He's accepting of God's voice. He recognizes who's speaking and he responds. He commits himself to God, recognizing that God has committed to him. And the relationship starts, the journey of faith can begin. Communication with God is open. So the encounter really changes Jacob's life. It really does change it. However, when Jacob sets out from Beersheba, he is in a mess. He is on the run. And he's on his own. But when he leaves Bethel after the encounter, we might think, well, what's changed? He is still in a mess. He is still on the run. But now he's heard God say to him, I am with you. He's not alone. He's begun a relationship with God. He's responded to the voice of God and begun another journey, a journey of faith. So while it seems nothing in his situation or circumstances has changed, in fact, everything is different. Jacob is treading a different path from this point on. He's walking a different route. This journey is with God. Jacob is taking the approach that we see at the end in verse 22. The Lord will be my God. And so the journey begins. It's not all sorted at this point. It is the beginning and as we see, or we, we, we will see over the next few weeks, um, Jacob gets into a huge number of scrapes. He's got some terrible experiences to come at this point. Um, he's trusting God, but he does mess up and people take advantage of him and there's family troubles and his wives and his children. He experiences famine and there's some great stuff as well, but it's, he's not kind of excused or exempt from all the bad stuff and all the difficult stuff the difference is that God is with him through them all so is this 
dream from thousands of years ago of any consequence for us today. It's tempting to think that this was a long time ago, Jacob was very special, it's an unusual event, and God does things differently now. Well, as I prepared this today, I recalled an event. It's actually one that I often do recall um, for myself, and I haven't really spoken of it before, um, mostly because people think, or might think I'm a bit mad, but actually now I realize they probably think I am. I can just tell the story. But actually, I was encouraged to share this after reading the book called Hearing God by Dallas Willard, which I think James recommended to us a couple of months ago. Um, I would thoroughly recommend that. Um, Hearing God by Dallas Willard. This event was a long time ago, actually. I was only 19, um, and I was a student in Nottingham. And I was in a meeting with other CU leaders, and we were grappling with some actually quite difficult decisions about who were going to be leaders and weekends away that we were planning. Um, And we were praying. And we were all heads down, eyes closed, praying. And I heard a voice, like someone speaking into the room, saying, I am with you. And my immediate reaction was to look up and look around and kind of expecting everyone else to be doing the same. Like, wow, that's amazing. We just heard the voice of God. But everyone else was just. And I slowly realized that actually God had spoken to me. And I shared this with the others and and they were really encouraged and we were able to carry on and make our decisions. And I've often thought back to this time and know God is with me. I've never heard anything like that since in that same way. Um, But that is still a significant memory for me. And it's not because of who I am or anything I've done, but it was because God wanted to speak at that point. And he promised. He made a promise. And I hadn't realized, actually, until preparing this for today, just how many people in the Bible and since have known that voice and we've already prayed for the Atkins Andy and Tiffany and a few months ago I was on the fr- on the phone to Andy and he was telling me um, about Iman a guy that uh, was a student from Harlow and had come to study in Cambridge and Andy met him and was encouraging him to read the Bible and um, a few days later a man came back to him and said that he'd had some dreams. And in those dreams, he'd had three dreams, actually, he'd met Jesus. And Jesus had showed him heaven and showed him hell and then had gone on to tell him that he was the truth that he was searching for. And actually, a man then went on to begin his walk with the Lord in Cambridge just a few months ago. So God is still speaking to people. God is still using dreams to speak to people. And God is initiating relationships with people through dreams all over the world. You don't have to look very far to see that. Have a look at the Open Doors website. There's a good article on there at the moment. An account from someone. 
So what about us hearing the voice of God, beginning or continuing our relationship with God? Our response. Well, I think firstly, we need not be all set up, perfectly doing the right thing with everything else in life sorted out. In fact, it seems the opposite might be true. We may be more likely to encounter God when things are messy, when we are humble. And secondly, we might be unaware, as Jacob was, that God is present. But that doesn't mean he's not. We can be ready for him to speak. We can be expectant. We may not have the same type of communication as Jacob, but as we begin our relationship, God may speak to us more directly than as we mature. This is actually normal growth. We see it in people. Um, We were camping as a family this summer, and one of the routines of the day was for the chosen children to head off with the washing up, hopefully um, to return a few minutes later with everything clean, dry, and not broken. That was the plan. Um, On one occasion, though, as two of our girls uh, set off, Samuel who's older than the girls, noticed a problem developing between them, which could have been disastrous. So he called out to me, Dad! Dad! But before I could respond, he'd actually intervened and sorted it out. He knew how I would act and did so himself. He did not need me to speak to him and tell him what to do. So although he called out to me, He did not need my answer to know what it would be. Many of us here have begun this journey, and for many of us, it was a long time ago. But a few things are worth, I think, picking up from Jacob's dream. God's perfect will for the future is not revealed at this point, but a promise is made. Jacob goes on to make choices that we can look at and say, surely that was not God's will. And we might be right. However, sometimes we can think of God's will for ourselves to be this narrow, prescriptive path that if we turn off, somehow we've either got to get back on or more likely we just give up. It's impossible. But our God is a God of relationship. And a decision one way or the other may be equally within God's will. We may not hear his voice call us one way or another. He may let us choose. Yesterday, two of our girls, Sarah and Vicky, um, got to go to the songbird on Bitten Triangle. I don't know if you know that one. It's quite good for ice cream. Um, It was a reward for them. They got to choose. But they weren't taken into the shop and told... Well, there's 20 flavours of ice cream. Um, The chocolate one is the best one. You should choose that. They were given the choice. There wasn't a correct choice or a better choice. And in fact, the choice is part of the reward. God gives us choices. The Lord has put us on earth with choices. And actually, the only one that really makes a difference is whether we choose to walk with God 
and follow Jesus Christ or not? That's the one. We may well hear God's voice on a choice or issue, but equally we may not. My brother's written a book called The Choice. A um, couple of things on the back here. Um, dramatic is an understatement. Any who doubt the power of God to transform people should read this book. That's by Derek Tidball. Uh, Andrew has not simply lived happily ever after. This story is so important to tell because it is true to what the Christian life is also about by Dr. Steve Brady. There's some copies of these at the front. Uh, if you think that would be useful um, for you to read, then do just help yourself to one of those. So I guess my question this morning would be, are you ready to begin a journey? Are you ready to continue your walk? Are you expecting to hear from God? Do you speak with God? Converse with him? Quite soon, actually, we're having a week of prayer, and it'll be a great opportunity to continue and develop your conversational relationship with God. God created us for relationship with him. So surely we can expect him to speak to us. So be ready to hear his voice and listen. We're undeserving of God's favour, but he chooses to communicate and relate to us. He recognises our weakness. And he shows us grace. He doesn't treat us, perhaps, as we deserve. He speaks to us more in the tough times, probably, than the easy ones. And our relationship with him deepens as a result. But we are warned in Hebrews, in fact, three times in two chapters. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So it is possible to ignore God and ignore that voice. But Jacob didn't. Having heard God's voice, Jacob responds and concludes at this point, the Lord will be my God. What will be your conclusion? 